Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. Monday edition is here. We broadcast live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee with 6th and Peabody. Our broadcast hosts each and every day, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and the crew is all here as well. A lot to get to. Reaction to the U.S. Open and the fantastic finish. We'll discuss Tom Brady, Sean Payton, and the storyline that hasn't been talked about enough that still could come to fruition in some capacity moving forward across the NFL timeline. And speaking of timelines, what's the timeline look like for Deshaun Watson and a possible NFL suspension? What precedent is there for what the NFL could do. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Always good to be with you guys. Was not here on Friday. little family uh, getaway to the mountains, so appreciate you guys holding it down like you always do. Eventful weekend of sports, though, that we're going to be discussing today. This is not going to be a dull Monday here on OutKick 360. Quite the finish to the Open. I'm proud to say I was in on Fitzpatrick, though I don't know I would have bet him to win, but I did bet him top 10. Uh, in the Masters and collected, and then our guest last week was all over. As uh, when I asked him for a long shot, gave us Fitzpatrick. I think, uh, well, your betting life is so down that you didn't have money to put on him. But Hutton and I uh, both well, won nicely. I full know. disclosure: that this is like uh, claiming I won a fantasy football league, but I'm in five of them. Uh, I, I spread the money around to multiple uh, guys on Friday night. I only uh, bet luckily, three guys. Luckily, uh, and I bet them to win, not to place. And luckily, uh, Fitzpatrick won yesterday. He was plus 1,800 Saturday morning. I bet him to win, uh, this all before the tournament, to win top five, top ten. So What I, was your payout? I'm, I'm very pleased. Well, didn't we have I our guest? Like 130 or 160 on the So our win. guest gave us Fitzpatrick last week, yeah. right? He, that was his pick. He said he'd when won I the asked amateur. For a long shot. Yeah. When I asked for a long shot. And he, so he, he nailed that one. I should have listened to him. You guys and your winning, though, has inspired me to put more money into my account. <laughs> there we account. go. There so, we go. Congratulations. I looked at it today and I said... Congratulations to FanDuel for I said, getting you know, more I was, money out I was of like, well, I'm going to write a column about this. I'm going to do this 10 cents at a time and build back and eventually have like $50. And I started to do the math of what it would take, how many seven-leg parlays I'd have to hit <laughs> at 10 cents a pop just to get back to $20. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and put an extra hundo in the old FanDuel account so I can get back with you guys. And that's what I did. Great finish. Uh, and, and congrats to, to Matt Fitzpatrick uh, winning the U.S. Open. Uh, first major victory, 27 years old from England. The shot that he hit out of the fairway bunker on 18 was – that's one we're going to relive moment for moment moving forward as we replay these golf tournaments uh, as guys begin to uh, contend for their first major or – they end up uh, competing against Fitzpatrick for a major championship. Zalatoris has to feel awful. He's he, been in the, so many lately. He yes. is the most due golfer there is right now, I would say. Well, when you consider, um, and I forgot who was saying this last night, when you consider that 
it's been a while since Rory won and how great he's been playing. If you're Will Zalatoris, you have to start to look around and think, all right, I, I know I'm close, I'm in contention, and this is great, but even some of the greats hit these lulls where they don't win again for a long stretch. And as close as he's been, and you, I mean, I think that's part of being human. You have to ask yourself, how many have, have I let slip by? And he burned the edge of the hole from, oh, it looked on, great. on that putt. It looked like a great That putt. would have at least guaranteed him um, extra holes, right? Um, but you have to give it to Fitzpatrick. I mean, they're saying the one thing you can't do is is end up in the in the greenside bunker. The one thing you can't do is end up in the greenside bunker. And teeing off on 18, he ends up in the greenside bunker. Also in a complicated spot where the lip of the interior of uh, grass of that greenside bunker is a problem. He later tells us, and maybe they were telling us before, that he's been having trouble in greenside bunkers. Um, and he gets in there and hits, uh, you know, uh, I think Zalator said it's a, you know, one in 20 shot, even if you're playing well out of greenside bunkers to hit it and have it move on the green the way it did to, to, a pretty uh, assured two putt, um, with a one stroke lead. And it, I mean, it's a shot we're going to see again and again, when you see us open highlights in terms of a clutch, 18th hole shot to put you in pretty sure place to win the championship. And, and he did it. He should have, I mean, had he hit it in the fairway, um, he would have been in, in great, great shape. And here he hits 17 of 18 greens um, in, in regulation in, uh, you know, in coming into good position where you'd expect a guy like that to deal with nerves coming down the stretch well, and there Chad, was no sign of him. Th- there was that shot, but it was also his 50-foot putt on 13. Unbelievable. After he bogeyed back-to-back holes and then hits that putt, th- those two shots win him the tournament. Well, they always say, you know, uh, what, you, you, you drive for show, you putt for dough. Not this week. He was 63rd of 64 players on Sunday in putting. Uh, it was all about the greens and regulation for Fitzpatrick. Not a great putting day, but still able to get it done. And he gets it done, as you said, Paul. He described it as maybe the best shot I've ever hit out of the bunker that saved him on that one. The Zalatoris miss, what a great reaction from Zalatoris. Just totally, you want those moments in sport that are just not rehearsed at all. And his body collapsing immediately when that thing did not go Putter down. Over the head. I was sure it was in. It was a great The way putt. it was tracking, I was sure this thing was going to uh, playoff, and that's what I was hoping for. And when he barely missed that thing, his body gives out. Putter gets released behind his back. Terrific reaction from Zalatoris. It's reminiscent of early Jordan Spieth. Remember, he had the complete collapse, the Masters on a Sunday, before he eventually won. He was close, 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 and then broke through went on that great stretch, hasn't been as good since. You wonder if that stretch is going to happen for Zalatoris. I hope so. I, I, I like him. I like his demeanor. I like the fact that after he loses, he's saying, I'm just going to keep knocking on the door, and it's eventually it's going to come down. But Has he tough. been collapsing, though? I mean, it seems to me uh, you he's guys just, would know better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying he right collapsed. Yeah. I'm saying Jordan Spieth for a while was right there, yeah. right there. Boy, this guy's a young superstar. And no, no one thought he's not going to win a major. He's missing his opportunity. It was always he is going to break through and good things are going to happen. And guess what happened? The guy almost had the the grand slam, right? Uh, I mean, he won three out of four or t- two out of three to start one year. So eventually, it's gonna it's gonna happen for Zalatoris also. 
What a what a great uh, just weekend for golf in general. When you consider all of the talk with uh, the Live Tour, PGA, um, and to get to the USGA big event, the National Championship, and to have the young stars on display. You know the the, the others who were there, Scheffler. You know who comes off the Masters victory and is right there in contention, um, and it, it is leading at one point yesterday, um, and it is had the double bogey on Saturday on the short par three. I went to uh, uh, a birthday party and someone walked in and was like, what, what happened to Scotty Scheffler? And it's just this one hole where he, he lost the, the, the big lead. Was it two shot lead on Saturday? He was very, and then he regained the lead yesterday. uh, Briefly. Um, You've got him, Rory McIlroy, who is the face of the sport right now, um, who is playing at a high clip and is as popular as he'll ever be on tour. Um, John Rahm, who is also saying he's not going to the Live Tour. He's staying on the PGA Tour. He's right there in the thick of it as a defending champ of the U.S. Open. Uh, Morikawa does it again, too. All the young stars of the PGA, this is what they need because they have the, the, the vets and some of the best-known individual brands in the sport taking the money to go play, and they can still play in the majors. And when it came time for the first big major since the Live Tour uh, started up, the young guys on the PGA Tour that have been backing up everything they've been saying with their play, they come through and, and shine in a bright moment. It's a good tournament, and the course is really uh, one of those courses that, I mean, they're all fun to watch to a degree, but there's something about this course that grabbed me. I like the postage stamp greens and, uh, and the look of it. And I like Boston at 60 degrees in, uh, in July. Well, it looked like the British Open. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching guys are out there in sweaters and I'm thinking this looks like a British <laughs> Open that I'm watching. And I love that. I love, you know, it being 95 degrees where I am outside and feeling cold watching a golf tournament in June or July. And that's the way I felt watching this tournament in Brookline. Um, it, it was cold, windy, overcast. The crowd was great. Paul, you don't like Boston, but you know Boston's a great sports town. And when you can bring a golf event, I think the same about Beth Page Black whenever they host a tournament there. New York, Boston, outside of Philly, these big pro sports markets, always more fun when a golf tournament's there. There's a different vibe and electricity to the gallery. It was was that way all weekend. It was perfect. This is the second straight week that I'm not playing conspiracy theorist here, but can you imagine a more perfect outcome for the PGA? When the Live Tour starts the week before, you have what is seemingly a meaningless Canadian Open. That ends on a leaderboard where I know every single name on that leaderboard. And I care at least a little bit about every single name on the leaderboard. And Rory wins it. And Rory can talk trash about the Live Tour and everyone who left. And then a week later, it's the showcase for the young guys. Saturday and Sunday, that leaderboard is filled with young, budding stars in the PGA. Again, there's no way to fix it. But it was so perfect, it almost feels fixed. That's how good it was. The only thing maybe better would have been Zalatoris, the American, winning instead of the Brit in the U.S. Open Well, yesterday. the only thing better is if Tiger's there and Tiger's in contention. But for a non-Tiger tournament, it goes as well as it could because what you need when Tiger's not there or even if Tiger's there is the young, the next wave. And this was a very good next wave And if it goes, tournament. if it goes like we've seen, Tiger's not there for Saturday or Sunday. But see, I, I, yeah, right. this is Friday. where I disagree. They I think it's it better. Masters. It's better without Tiger. Because if Tiger is there and in contention, all we're hearing from Live Tour and everyone else is 
Well, Tiger saved their bacon yeah, again. Yeah. They You're got right. great TV right. ratings because Tiger's there. Once Tiger's not there, no one's going to care about Zalatoris or Fitzpatrick or Justin Thomas or name these golfers, right? This has been the perfect showcase. Rory's a guy that we're going to care about no matter what the week before. And then to showcase some of these younger guys, it's worked out perfectly. I'm not saying this is some definitive statement about what's going to happen with the Live Tour. We're going to talk with Dan Henninger from the Wall Street Journal soon about that and the comparison between the two. But you could not have made it any better for the PGA these last two weeks. I, I loved it, and I had a lot of fun when I was in front of the TV watching it. But I also thought at a couple moments, clock's ticking on Tiger. There are only so many majors left that he could be in. So I wish he was in that one. Well, he says he's playing in the open. Yeah. Uh, that's to be determined. But that's why he skipped out on the U.S. Open is to prepare for St. Andrews. So we'll, we'll see if he can make it there and make it around the course. He'll make it there. Um, the question is, can he make it through the four rounds if, he, if he's able to? Um, that, that's the dis- disappointing factor to all of it. Uh, no disappointment yesterday to the finish. And the, I thought the, the bunker shot on 18, just briefly on this, uh, Fitzpatrick didn't think much about it. You know, the, he didn't take a lot of time. No. I mean, they, they, they lined up where the target was going to be. Um, they didn't switch clubs and, and think about things. He didn't like go down in the, in the bunker and then come back out and discuss things with the caddy. This was, as soon as they selected the, where they were aiming and the club he was using, he was off. And he got some people out of the way and hit his shot. Broad- didn't overthink it. Broadcast took a lot of flack on Twitter, and I think at times deservingly so. I, I'm not saying I was plugged into the whole thing. I, I saw batches of holes and then, you know, the last five, say. But uh, I think there was a – I think it was McElroy who was way left at one point, and it was unclear how he saved the hole because I think they didn't show the whole thing. It might not have been McElroy. And then uh, people on Twitter were saying, well, we, we needed to learn that so-and-so was born in Massachusetts and they were doing a little vignette on somebody. I thought it was a little vignette heavy at the expense of golf, and I think a lot of Twitter people a- agreed with that. Now, they did do some good stuff, like uh, Tariko had a caddy on who was talking about blind tee shots because you can't see the flag from a lot of holes. And the caddy was talking about going out and setting up rakes, you know, as cues and showing um, how they annotate their their books, you know. So, and he had three different books: his his yardage book and the yardage book of two other caddies. Showed how they draw out stuff and landmarks and stuff, and I thought that was quite interesting. I don't know what golf we missed at the expense of that, but I thought that was informative. But I do think they were a little vignette heavy at times. Today, we welcome 94.9 The Fan in Nashville to the OutKick Network, uh, the, the latest affiliate to, to partner with OutKick 360. We are thrilled to be back on in Nashville after what felt like a long layoff. It was a year and a half uh, of being on the, on the airwaves here in Music City. We are back, and uh, we welcome everyone who has joined us on 94.9 The Fan. Huge shout-out uh, to Cromwell Media and everyone involved um, Chase McCabe, uh, say hello to Dennis and Bud and the entire crew there. We're, we're thrilled to partner with you guys and glad you're on board with us for Outkick 360 Daily 2 to 5. When we left Nashville Radio previously from our, our prior employer, there were steps along the way that 
we wanted to get to eventually and things we wanted to do here with OutKick, now with Fox and, and with this show, OutKick 360. And we've been slowly marking some things off the list. But, Paul, a big mark off that list was always going to be Nashville Radio and finding the right partner and getting back on Nashville Radio. Thrilled that we found the right partner in Cromwell Media and 94.9 The Fan, a brand new station. This is not a new show for Nashvillians that are hearing our voices right now. We've been around for over a decade. This is a brand new brand with a station with 94.9, and we're thrilled to be on this station with the likes of Colin Cowherd leading into our show and Dan Patrick, and we get reunited with Dan Patrick, who was a lead-in for us uh, before as well. I wanted to be available from the beginning of this to everybody in every way possible so you could consume us in any way, shape, or form, be it it's all about you know, consumption. watching us on Twitter or YouTube, uh, listening to us in podcast form, or listening to us on the, on the radio. And for our fans or newcomers in Nashville, we're happy to now have that avenue available to you. So more ways still to come, but uh, rounding out uh, and pleased about it. On in six states across the OutKick network and growing through the SEC footprint and beyond on OutKick 360. Coming up, Dan, uh, Dan Henninger is going to join us from the Wall Street J- Journal, Fox News contributor. We discuss the PGA Tour, the Live Tour, and more. We are joined by Dan Henninger next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network this afternoon. Outkick 360 rolls on, and we say hello to Dan Henninger of the Wall Street Journal, Fox News contributor as well. He had the column late last week, right as the U.S. Open teed off, about the storyline in Massachusetts being all about what was going on with the Live Tour and those who had decided to leave the PGA Tour to play for the Live Tour And it ends up being all of the discussion of the young stars currently still on the PGA Tour battling it out for the U.S. Open. We say hello to Dan now. Dan, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Great to be with you, indeed. We were discussing right before you joined us, uh, maybe the the best possible outcome for the PGA Tour based on results alone happened yesterday with Fitzpatrick battling Zalatoris and then all of the young stars who had either won recently or were contending to win tournaments. We're all on the PGA Tour's end of things after starting this tournament with all the discussion being about Liv and Saudi. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, most of the, the PGA's top players were uh, at the top of the leaderboard uh, at the end of the tournament, whereas uh, most of the uh, Live players, uh, most prominently Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Johnson, uh, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau uh, fell down quite a bit. I think Dustin uh, Johnson was probably the, the uh, at the best performance. Phil didn't even make the cut. DeChambeau fell out of the conversation. 
Uh, a lot of the others, Kevin Na, Louis Ustazen, did not make the cut. Uh, so all the talk was about the PGA Tour players. And, uh, you know, as they head forward to uh, the tournament next month, British Open in the UK, uh, I think that's going to continue. Uh, so it does kind of remain to be seen how long this controversy can endure in the media. Uh, sure, it's been hot the last week or two, uh, mainly because of all the money the Saudis are tossing around for these players on the uh, live tour. <clears throat> I saw just earlier today where uh, Abraham Anser apparently is jumping from the PGA to uh, live tour. I think he's the 20th ranked player in the world. And there'll probably be more of that. But uh, again, you kind of wonder whether uh, this tour has, uh, is going to have legs with the public. Yeah, and that that's kind of my question. You know, is it the controversy that's kind of keeping talk of the tour alive? And when you see, Dan, the reaction from PGA players that stayed and didn't defect and the animosity from some of those players, Rory McIlroy namely, does it surprise you that some of the guys seem to be so upset with the players that may be up there in years a little bit or decided to leave just to take the money and, and leave the PGA? Does the Does the animosity from those players shock you at all um it i think it was it was more disappointment than uh animosity uh it's like these guys have made this decision and uh they've done it for the money and you know it's an it raises an interesting subject at the center it's not as though People like Roy McElroy uh, are not making money. Uh, I mean, Dustin Johnson has made $75 million in his PGA career. Bill has made $95 million. You look down the money winners, uh, you could see people you barely heard of who've made $15, 20000000 million. So there's a lot of money in golf. But I think the issue that a lot of these players like Rory McIlroy and uh, Justin Thomas are raising is why ultimately are you in the game? Yeah, the money's been good. The PGA has been excellent. The sponsors are producing revenue for these players. But, you know, most of these guys start playing golf when they're four years old or something like that. And that's all they do. Uh, those of us who play some golf can kind of understand it. The sport is addictive. But it takes all of your attention uh, to reach that level of competition. And as some of them, like uh, Justin, JT, and uh, McElroy have said, and I think uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick uh, as well, I want to play against the best players in the world. I want to compete. I want to measure my skills, after all the time and effort I put into it, against the absolutely top players. I'm not just going out there to pick up a paycheck. And I suppose, yeah, at the mid-levels of the game or when someone is reaching the end of their career, they just want to pick up a paycheck. But I think some of these other younger stars are disappointed to see people in their prime, like Bryson Shampo, just walking away from the intense competition that you feel at any level of professional sport, right? Whether it's baseball, basketball, soccer, you want to compete against the best. And I think that's kind of the primary source of the disappointment they're expressing and uh, some of these other players who jumped to the uh, live tour. Dan Henninger is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. He joins us on OutKick 360. The U.S. Open was established in 1895. I, I, I think 
most golf fans, first and foremost, want good majors with everybody or virtually everybody there. Um, and, and the split, obviously, as we just discussed, was favorable towards PGA guys yesterday. But I, I think, would you agree that once everything settles down, no matter who ends up atop the leaderboard, if everybody's at the majors, that will um, satisfy most golf fans on the biggest thing? I think... You know, that's by and large, right? I mean, the majors attract the biggest audiences, but I think that's a subject that needs to be discussed more here. That is the audience for golf. Uh, I haven't seen much conversation about it on, on the golf channel, but ultimately, what are we talking about? Not just the people who show up at the tournaments, but for any sport, it's the size of the TV audience. And uh, that is a function of the uh, media attention that any sport gets. Uh, I was kind of struck during the past several days of the coverage uh, when DeChambeau really wasn't performing all that well. Dustin Johnson fell off the pace. They completely fell out of the conversation, right? Nobody was talking about Dustin Johnson or Bill or Bryson DeChambeau. And it occurred to me, you know, when the media stops talking about you in sports, you disappear. That's all there is to it. That has been true in sports for the past hundred years. Uh, if you're not being written about or talked about, you don't exist. And I guess what I'm asking is, how is Liv going to overcome that? you got to watch it now on YouTube. I suppose it's possible they could strike a contract with one of the major um, cable outlets or something like that, but they have to find a way to attract an audience. The PGA has that audience, and I think the four major tournaments feed into that <clears throat> as well as we were just discussing. The U.S. Open had all these top PGA players in it, and that kind of media attention, uh, that kind of audience attention feeds on itself. And I'm hard put to see exactly how Liv produces that. Now, there's a question whether the Saudi Arabians themselves actually care one way or another. I mean, they're in it for the status. They're obviously not in it to make money. Uh, and perhaps simply being out there uh, and uh, putting on these shows and having a certain size of audience show up for it will be enough for them. And maybe that'll be enough for some of the players to switch to the Liv tour. But I am having a difficult time seeing how it displaces the PGA as a, an audience attraction for sports fans. Well, and Dan, one thing you get into in your column that, that interests me is this idea that all the money in the world can't buy you tradition. And that we watch sports in America in large part because of the tradition. We watch the U.S. Open because we've seen the U.S. Open many times before. Same goes the Masters or other big tournaments. We talk a lot about NIL and college sports and how teams that have never done anything can buy their way now into competing for championships. I think it plays a little bit into what you're writing about also that is it even possible, while you can buy individual players with money, can you buy any level of tradition or interest in a sport versus one that has an abundance of it? It's very difficult, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, just think about almost any sport. 
out there, the major sports, you know, baseball, football, basketball in this country anyway, God knows soccer and the rest of the world. And if you're sitting around a table or at a bar having a conversation, I mean, people are just pulling memories out of nowhere about the most extraordinary details of what happened in that sport, uh, events and incidents, uh, violations of tradition, uh, people who cheated and got caught, uh, extraordinary performers. Um, all of that feeds over time into the lifeblood of any one of these sports. And golf is kind of special in the sense that it has uh, such a sense of tradition with the country clubs, the way the sport is conducted, uh, the fact that people abide by the rules and they have all extraordinarily arcane rules in golf. Um, that is something that money simply cannot buy. And then I don't think the live uh, Saudi sponsor live tour is going to be able to create that overnight. There's no tradition there whatsoever. And typically, as you guys well know, there have been competing sports leagues in football, uh, basketball, the ABA, and, you know, by and large over time, they don't survive. They somehow join with the uh, senior tour, the superior tour. I'm not sure that's going to happen here. I cannot see the PGA and the Live combining at some point out in the future, but it is really, really difficult for an upstart sport to create that kind of tradition, the tradition that fans are so well aware of to create that out of whole cloth. And, and I doubt it's going to happen with Liz. Dana, as you wrote in the column, uh, much like China or Russia, here's Saudi trying to uh, sports wash their record in some sense. D- does underwriting a tour or a- an event like the Live Tour really change how the vast majority of the public will view where they sit on the world stage? I doubt it for the vast majority of the Republic. Uh, you know, as I wrote my column, um, I, I get the objections, say, of the 9-11 families who have uh, accused these golfers adjoining the Live Tour of accused them of sports washing because the Saudis, was mainly the Saudis who were responsible, or at least Saudi-born people who were responsible for the events of 9-11. And, uh, the, but the fact is that, uh, Prince Salman bin Laden, the crown prince in Saudi Arabia has been attempting to modernize that country. They don't have the religious police anymore. Uh, they have allowed women to participate in the economic and social life of the country. And that includes sports. Um, there has been some discussion lately between Saudi Arabia and Israel about uh, bettering, if not normalizing the relations. Uh, So we live in a complicated world, no question about it. Uh, That doesn't gainsay the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia is hardly a paragon of human rights. And I think their involvement in these sports like soccer or golf is part of their, just part of the strategy they have to try to modernize that place and uh some of it may work and some of it may fail i don't think anything they have done in this respect has run into as much opposition and controversy as the live golf tour so we'll see whether it survives or not i mean they're giving all these players upfront money to play 
uh, I personally would see that as kind of a disincentive for doing your best. I mean, my God, if someone's just giving you 65 or a hundred million dollars, how hard are you going to play golf for the next three years? Uh, so it's a work in progress. It's going to be fascinating. I kind of like the controversy, uh, but uh, I'm placing my money, <laughs> such as it is, on the PGA. You mentioned answer uh, maybe next to flip. Do you think that the Saudis just uh, continue unrelentlessly to uh, relentlessly? Sorry, to uh, approach guys and and push and push and push. Or is there a time where they maybe start to let the tour kind of talk for itself and word of mouth from uh, from the guys who've made the flip? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I thought about that a little bit when I saw that Abram Abram Answer had jumped to the tour, I mean, to the live tour. And, um, you know, the PGA uh, has you know something more like 150 or more players on the actual tour itself. And then you've got the Corn Ferry Tour of players trying to make it onto the PGA. Uh, let's face it. Not everyone is going to win majors. Not everyone is going to be uh, Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, uh, or John Rahm. I mean, these are the guys who are talking about playing for legacy. I can sort of see where if you've been doing nothing but playing golf all your life, uh, here you arrive at the age of 25, 26, or 28, like recent Bryson DeChambeau, and I have no idea why DeChambeau has made the jump. But, you know, someone's offering you 50, 60, 125 million dollars uh, to play golf. You can say to yourself, yeah, I'll take the money, I'll do it for two or three years, and then I'll be done. I'll go on and do something else with my life. And I could see through the mid-levels of uh, the PGA Tour where Liv might be able to, the Liv Tour might be able to convince uh, some of these guys that um, we'll make you rich for two or three years. You'll be set for life. Uh, you can then be able to do whatever you want. But again, at the highest level of the game, what those players want is to go out there week after week, and especially in those majors, and measure themselves against the best in the world. You know, I think that's true in everything. In business, there's some guys who've made tons of money. They just can't stop doing the de doing deals because they want to measure themselves against their opponents. Uh, it's true of business. It's true of sports. Probably even true of politics, which I write about most of the time. Uh, so we'll just, um, you know, live. We'll keep offering the money. It's just going to be kind of fascinating to see which players take it and which decide. Uh, there's something more important than just the money. Dan Henninger has been our guest, columnist of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Dan, thank you for the uh, the time this afternoon, the perspective, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on again down the line. All right. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you. There's Dan Henninger of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and this is a story that's not going away as long as, Paul, to your point, um, the Live Tour wants to continue to pay players to join because it's always going to be a headline then even if we're not watching the tour uh, on any regular basis and we wouldn't anyway there's only seven more events on the tour itself and the vast majority of them are in the fall as we tur like turn the table past the majors there's really not a lot of head-to-head -head competition between the two tours itself
So the, the, the talk will be, unless you're at a major where both tours are converging, uh, we'll get to a point where I think Dan's right. We're out of sight, out of mind until uh, you start to see some of the other guys jump Defect. ship. It, the it, defections are the story. If the goal is to sports wash, you know, the term they're using, to, to whitewash problems in your country through sport, isn't the better route to infiltrate as opposed to compete? And what I mean by that is, instead of starting a league to try to compete with or draw players out of the PGA Tour, I would like to know what's more successful. That, now this is getting a lot of talk, there's mm. no doubt. But will that the tour be sustainable? Will it be successful? Or is it better to go pay F1 to have the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, to buy UFC events to come to your country, to get the WWE in your country, to, I don't know, buy an NBA team? If you're a, an oil sheik in Saudi Arabia, I mean, to me, those are the ones that if you're Premier trying League, to, yeah, just go that. in and use your money to buy into existing things as opposed to creating a league with your money to compete. I wonder what would be more successful for Saudi Arabia. Well, they're attempting both now, but I, I, I agree with you. I think the, your idea is, is better. If it's about making money, your idea is better. Yes. They're not worried about making money. Well, and again, if it's about... Both. It's not about making money. It's about sport washing. If you're trying to basically launder your reputation through sports, is it better, if that's the goal, is it better to try to compete with the PGA, who now everyone is going to come after and bash Saudi Arabia and people who leave? Or is it better to normalize yourself by buying in more to these big sports? When Formula One comes to your country, and if there are no incidents and people watch on television, isn't that better for that stated goal? There are easier and cheaper ways. Than starting your own Formula One, for instance? There are easier and cheaper ways, too. I, I listened to a podcast on my way home from Florida a couple of weeks ago, either uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History or Freakonomics, that was about this sports washing. And one of the things they mentioned, the third best regarded... Southeast Asian country by Americans is Thailand, which does not have, I, I don't know the details, but does not have a real favorable governmental system. You know how they got it? By having a Thai restaurant on every damn sh corner wow. in America. By chefs and food. Pad Thai has sports, the effect of sports washing Thailand. That's a way to do it. I mean, that's brilliant. People like Thai food. They have a favorable image of Thailand. Bang. We love National Lampoon, but Chad, I don't know if you love The weekend because it ties in so much with Clark Griswold. We will we'll get your perspective on Gatlinburg when we return. Uh, what was a great family vacation? It was an eventful weekend, boys. It was an eventful weekend. That's we got next through it. on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. It's always going to be extremely eventful when you take the kids on a road trip, no matter how short of a drive, how long of a distance. 
Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Withrow is back from Gatlinburg, from the Smokies, from Dollywood. How was the weekend, Jeff? It was exhausting, <laughs> in, in a word. <laughs> it was Ready? exhausting. I mean, I slept probably 10 or 11 hours last night when I got home to my own bed. Um, starting with the fact, you know, two kids – you're in a strange condo to them. They're not out of the house that often. So you immediately get there, and they're scared. You know, we, we had this whole thing. Hey, you girls, get your own room. You got Your sisters get to sleep in the same bed for one of the first times ever. And they Woo! were excited about that for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and then it was I, I slept with Lucy, the two-year-old. And, you know, Angie slept with Evie, our seven-year-old. And we rolled like that, which was fine. Every, everyone slept fine. That wasn't a big issue. Um, here's my advice, and I'm probably going to write about this at OutKick. Dollywood, that is a very well-run resort and place to be. They have, much like Augusta National or what you know people might say about Disney World, the workers there are great. They do everything. It's down to a science. The way they, the food is available and the shops and the rides and everything else. It's as good as can be done on their end. You need to have the same plan as someone who goes to Dollywood. We made the mistake of, we'll just go and see everything they have to offer there. Well, this place is ginormous. So you walk in, if you don't have a plan, you get in one area, and then before you know it, you've waited in line for two rides, and three, four hours of your day is gone. Well, I walk in, and I look over to the left, and I say, hey, over here is something called the Thunderhead. Let's go ride that, Evie, to my seven-year-old. We get in line, and I'm hearing the announcements on the speakers say, you will experience up to two G's of pressure on this ride. If you have cardiac issues or high blood pressure, you need to step out of the line immediately. No cell phones, keys, any loose objects, as you will be going 55 miles per hour on this ride. So I'm getting nervous. I don't like love roller coasters to begin with. I can handle them. I can't handle things that spin. I'll get sick with that. But I'm thinking, if I'm a little bit nervous, my seven-year-old daughter is going to freak out when this thing starts. So... I'm trying to keep her calm, like, hey, this can be fine, giving her high fives. We're going to get through this, no problem, no issues. So we finally, and I can tell she's getting a little bit more nervous they keep making this announcement. Get there, the first drop on this thing, I look over, and she's got a hold of my arm, and it's just sheer terror on her face, right? She's got a hold of me, and it's, you know, she's crying for the two and a half minutes of the thing, the whole time. Fun. There's a picture Yay, of us, vacation. she's crying. But then the moment it stops, she says she wants to go again. Yeah. All right, we did it, let's go again. No, we're not going to go again because the line was too How old. long was the wait for that? That one, we got there early right when the place opened, so it wasn't too bad. Longest wait we had was about 45 minutes to an hour. On uh, It was a water ride. It was the Dollywood River Rampage where you get in a raft and the whole family could be on it, and we rode that. Yeah, and then my two-year-old was crying on that one because we were the ones in the back, so they drop off into a wave, and we got soaked right. to start. She wasn't expecting that. Um, my youngest uh, urinated on my leg at one point <laughs> towards the end of the day. Yay, just sta- just started, <laughs> started to, I think, realize like she just woke up from a nap and was kind of out of it. We're on the, the train. There's a steam engine train. You ride over the, through the park, and we're waiting to start that. And I felt like a little bit of pressure on my right thigh, and I'm thinking... Yep, definitely. That's that's, that's a little pressure. bit of pee. A little bit of pee. I look down. It's just a perfect circle, you know, right on my right thigh. Uh, but look, we we what made we, it through. Different, different, we made it different through. Than typical. Well, I mean, everyone had everyone typical. had fun. It's just it's difficult if you don't have a plan. 
One quick, this is the opposite of a shout-out. We went to a, a place called Ober Gatlinburg, and sometimes an experience can just ruin a place for you. And this is one of those times. We bought a wristband for $40. That was the basic wristband. On the website, and I just went to it again, it says with the basic wristband, you get all of these different activities, right? One of them being the mountain coaster. So I walk up to what was probably a high school girl that's working the thing, show her the wristband, say, are we good to go with me and my daughter? Just me and the seven-year-old at this point. Yeah, you're good to go. Walk up there, wait in line for 20 minutes, get to go to the ride. They stop me and say, where's your ticket? And I said, this is our ticket, the wristband. No, that's the basic wristband. You have to have the advanced one to get on here or a ticket. And I said, that would have been nice to know 25 minutes ago when we're standing up here. Go down there, tell the girl what happened. She says, oh, let me see what it says on that. Oh, yeah, that's basic. You don't get on this with that. I said, you just told me we could. How much to ride it? $16 a pop. So this is where I teach my daughter a lesson in budgeting. I said, we spent $40 on these wristbands. We're not spending 32 more dollars so we can ride. ride this one ride. Sorry. Of course, then tears start, and it starts way a whole to go, new thing. Dad. Is this the... Uh, but Ober Gatlinburg, uh, way over... Uh, over I'll go with whether it's overrated. Ober Gatlinburg is this the cable car thing that goes around the park? Or? It's the tram you take up the mountain. It's a ski resort for part of the year. Now, the Alpine slide gotcha. and some other things, that was fine, but... Not enough for the money. Nowhere near the level of customer service you're going to get at Dollywood. Thank God for Dolly Pump up Dolly. Coming up, Hall of Fame beef between two well-known, now well-known Hall of Famers because one guy just got in. The other guy's not happy that he was used as the example of why the linemen deserve to be in the Hall. That's next.